have a true, uh, I feel like we have a true picture of what God's showing us. And I believe in the Old Testament uh, of being a guide, a lamp, and uh, lots of wisdom to, to direct us as the church and the Christians and the body of Christ going forward and navigating in the last days. How many believe we're in the last days? Amen. Yeah, everything, just something inside you saying this is it. The time is close, yeah. Well, um, if you have your Bible, and I know you do, we're going to go to Ezra. I'm going to be quick. I'm going to uh, probably stay uh, to the notes here that I have because I'm not smart enough to remember a lot. <laughs> but then I can get to my heart when I'm done. Ezra chapter 9. And I really need to read the whole book of Ezra to give you where I'm going. But we know there's not enough time for that. Um, and I think Brody or somebody will put it up there. Do you have it? Were you able to find it? I'm in the King James, which I don't think it really matters, but you should have King James. Ezra chapter 9, and I'm just going to dive in the middle of this story. I want to set, um, uh, get your hearts and get your minds focused on what's going on here. And I'm going to give you um, the history behind uh, what I'm going to read here, kind of a little background, if you will. So I'm going to read until the Holy Spirit says stop, but let's pray. Father, we praise you. God, how, how uh, you do in this place and how you move amazes me every week. Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for the words of encouragement. We thank you for the demonstration through song and dance that you gave us this morning. Thank you for the gifts and those people, Lord, that put that together and the dancers and the teachers and the instructors. Lord, it was all you, and we love seeing you work through your people. I praise you. I thank you. We welcome you to continue to tarry here with us. Lord, I render myself, my vessel, to you, Lord Jesus. Lord, I want to deliver what you've put on my heart, not in my own intelligence, but by every word of the Holy Ghost. I give you my mouth. I give you my heart. I give you my tongue. And we bring you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. The book of Ezra. Starting with verse 1, now, chapter 9, now, when these things were done, the princes came to me, saying, the people of Israel, the priests, and the Levites have not separated themselves from the people of the lands, doing according to their own abominations, even as the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Perserites, and the Jebusites, and the Ammonites, and the Mobites, the Egyptians, and the Amorites, for they have taken of their daughters for themselves and for their sons, so that the holy seed have mingled themselves with the people of those lands. Yeah, the hand of the princes and the rulers have been chief in this trespass. And when I heard this thing, I rent my garment and my mantle, and I plucked off my hair and my head, off my head, and of my beard, and sat down a stone. Verse 4, Then were assembled unto every one that trembled at the words of the God of Israel. Because of the transgression of those that had been carried away, and I sat a stone, st astonished, somebody help me with that one, astonished, not astonished, astonished yes, astonished, but that's, that's what it is in English. Yeah, I'm just trying to read the King James. So, until the evening, stay with me, sacrifice. And at the evening sacrifice, I rose up from my heaviness, and having rent my garment and my mantle, I fell upon my knees and spread out my hands unto the Lord my God. And I said, Oh my God, I am ashamed and blushed to lift up my face to thee, my God, for, for iniquities are increased over our head and our trespasses grown up into the heavens. Verse 7, since the days of our fathers have we been in great trespass unto this day, and for our iniquities have we our kings, and our priests been delivered into the hands of the kings of the lands, to the sword, to captivity, and to a spoil, and to confusion of face as it is this day. And now for a little space grace have been showed from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a nail in his holy place, 
that our God may lighten our eyes and give us a little receiving in our bondage. For if we were bondmen, yet our God hath not forsaken us in our bondage, but yet has extended mercy unto us in the sight of the kings of Persia to give us a reviving to set up the house of our God and to repair, to repair the desolations thereof and to give us a wall in Judah and Jerusalem. We're going to go into, I, I, I could go into, we're going to stop there for a minute and I'm going to go into chapter 10, but I want to lay down the background of what's going on here if you don't understand Ezra's role. Uh, the city of Jerusalem was destroyed by the Babylonians, ba Babylonians in 587 B.C. And except for a small number, most Jews were forcibly deported from Babylon where they were enslaved for 70 years. At the end of those 70 years, they were granted permission to return to Jerusalem and rebuild it. The temple as well as to build the walls around the city. This return migration occurred in three main groups. Group led by uh, Zerubbabel, his group of 49,000 people. Number two, a group led by Ezra, the second group of 1,754 returned in 458 B.C. I want, I want to give you the background so you understand what's going on here. Zerubbabel dedicated the new temple in 515, so Ezra's group arrived around 57 years later the for the temples, after the temple's dedication, and that they found, and is what they found, was that a spiritual reform was desperately needed. So the group led by Nehemiah, the third group, this group returned in 444 B.C. with an unknown, it's unknown the number of people accompanied by uh, and they were accompanied by soldiers, but we don't know how many uh, are coming back. So Ezra was an exceptional priest living in Babylon, having through the knowledge of the law of Moses, God favored him by moving the heart of the Persian king to allow him to honor the leading uh, of the group of Jews to Jerusalem. Ezra's mission was different than Zerubbabel's, Zerubbabel, don't you love these names? Come on, man. Uh, it, it, his, Ezra's mission was different. Zerubbabel was the building of the temple, and Nehemiah's was the building of the walls around Jerusalem, right? So Ezra's mission had six objectives. To inquire the spiritual condition of Jerusalem, to carry the donation from the king to Jerusalem. It even included free will offerings, which were given by the people. That, this is all presided, chapter 9, to check on the and maintain on the temple of God. He was to check up on it. That's his job. Number four, to appoint magistrate and judges and to teach the law of Moses and to execute judgment. So you, you have him as he's going in to uh, Jerusalem. His job is to uh, go to the temple and to uh, check its spiritual condition. In other words, um, and what he found uh, was not so, well, let's find out what he found. The generation of leaders that followed the man who led the first migration back to Jerusalem evidently had not maintained the quality of character nor the fear of God that their predecessors carried. Sound familiar? The question to be asked, as we get into my notes, the question I have is, what was the heart condition of the individuals who assumed the leadership roles after Zerubbabel? Between the time the first group arrived in Jerusalem and Ezra's group arrived around 80 years, so a generation, right? A generation. There had been a, 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 there had been a time of great rejoicing immediately following the dedication of the temple, but in just one generation, things had changed dramatically. Upon Ezra's arrival in Jerusalem, after his four-month journey from Babylon, he found that the social, morale, and the religious climate was appalling. The sins of the people included intermarriage with Canaanites, even the priests, the Levites, and main leaders were among those who had broken the law of Moses. Skip over to Ezra chapter 10 here. Now then, Ezra had prayed... And when he had confessed, weeping and casting himself down before the house of God, there is assembled unto him 
out of Israel a very great congregation. Now remember, back on chapter 9, when we stopped out, the, the priests and the Levites came as a report saying, uh, people are gone. Your church isn't what it was. They, they intermingled with people that are foreign to our land. They're none, they, they intermixed. They took on wives. They, they mixed bloodlines. They married uh, and were yoked to unbelievers. So hold on, we're going somewhere. God's got a message that the reason, oh, could it possibly be the condition of the church in the United States of America is because we've intermingled with the wrong and, and yoked with the wrong and married outside of our kingdom and our covenant. History repeats itself. History repeats itself. Watch, this goes deep. Look what this, I'm telling you, this is, uh, God's telling you revival is on the horizon because we're going to get this. The church of Jesus Christ is going to wake up. We're not going to sleep anymore. We're going to look at these advantages, look at these examples given to us. Intermarriage with the Canaanites, even the priests and the Levites. And main leaders were among those who had broken the law in chapter 9. The intermarriages had led people into the following, oh goodness, what? Pagan rituals involving worship of idols. Hmm. So in my lifetime, I didn't know Jesus. In my lifetime, I came to know the Lord and... I didn't know what the church was supposed to look like. I just knew Jesus revealed himself to me, and, and uh, he was real. And, and, the, and I made it up in my mind that uh, is, uh, I'm going to follow him because he has revealed himself in me, okay? And I look at this world, and I understand that scripturally, Jesus himself said, can you not see the signs? Watch for the signs so that you'll know of my coming, and I'll, I'll give them to these. Not only do we have the, the letters uh, to 2 Timothy in chapter 3, where we talk about what the condition, moral condition of men will be in the last days. We have, in my lifetime, I have seen the church intermarriage, get unequally yoked with unbelievers, to forget the teachings or not follow the teachings of being in the world but not of the world. We There hasn't been a clear distinction on who is Christ and who is world. A kingdom that Jesus said is not of this world. We have to get this church. We have to get back to our kingdom principles, the Savior that's in us so that we can change the generations, so that we can change. Yes, it's a war. Yes, we're fighting. Yes, we have all this going on. But it comes down first to our own heart. We have to absolutely say, wait a minute. I'm, I'm being influenced by them, and not, I'm not the one doing the influencing. I got to wear the same jeans they wear. I got to wear the same tennis shoes they wear. I got to watch the same movies they wear. I got to act just like them and play the same music they play. And there's no distinction. When are we going to draw a line and say, I am going to be peculiar? I am going to walk. And when I walk into life and when I, outside of this church, as I navigate through life in the Holy Ghost, I will be different. And everyone will know it. A short story. I'm going to get back to this word. I am in the middle of a, a pretty large financial transaction that involved banks. And we're sitting around with some high-end bankers. And the bankers compliment our, our company. This transaction required a thorough personal investigation and a thorough business investigation in my books, my paperwork, and even my character and conduct. That kind of a transaction where they got to make sure my social media even is right. 
And the bankers came back to us and said, we just kind of don't understand. You know, when we, when we go into our investigations, it's our job to find your weakness. That's what we do. And he goes, we're sitting here and we can't find any weakness. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Is that strange? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is that strange? Well, usually there's always something. Let's go a step further and say, we've never even seen, guys, understand what they're saying. This is a top-tier bank in Kansas City, Missouri. And they're saying, we, they're using, I'm not exaggerating, we're saying these words. We have never seen. What kind of world are we living in? We've never seen anyone's personal profiles and finances match their business, nor do they ever match their tax returns. But yours are like a book. It all tells the same story from cover to cover. That's how he used it. He goes, I can go to the end of your uh, paperwork, and it tells me the story in the front, right? Here's where I'm getting at. I'm not trying to bring glory. It's, it's God, but here's the point I'm making is I said these words sitting at this round table, and I said, that's because God's watching. <laughs> and they looked at me like, okay. It didn't register. I'm like, you're never going to find weakness because he's watching. I can't make this look not, I didn't have to scramble. I didn't have to wonder, what am I going to do? They asked for paperwork and I produced it in minutes, not days, not weeks, in minutes. So it's what I'm saying is the world, now if I would look just like the world, but profess Christ, see where I'm going with that? It's something that simple. How, I said, I showed Christ and that there's a God that watches to an ungodly situation and even in an ungodly world. I, the heart of this is, so Ezra seeing this, that you, you are just like them. We've lost a generation has turned and lost so far back. So my point in the story was we should all have several occasions, and I'm sure we do that you made a distinct call. Now, is that a witness? Did I have to go and tell them that Jesus died for them? Not yet. But as a relationship grows, in two, two statements, they know where I stand. And I trust God to open up that relationship and open up the doors later, right? That's the church. I'm not going to conform. You've heard me stand up. You said, we're not going to conform to the pattern of the world. Let me get back. I don't know how a pastor does this. <laughs> Where'd I leave off? His grief. He tore his clothing and, and mourned deeply, being filled with grief. Watch the heart of God here. I'm going to release it. Pulled the hair out of his beard. Did Ezra do anything? Why is Ezra grieved? Why is he ripping his clothes and pulling the hair? I don't know. Has anybody ever felt grief so bad, Larry, that you want to pull the hair out of your face? He sat down utterly shocked and appalled at what he saw happening and remained there until evening. Ezra wasn't the only one overcoming with grief due to the sins of the people. Ezra wasn't the only one overcome with grief due to the sins of the people. Others gathered around him also horrified at what they were witnessing. Ezra recognized that if there wasn't a genuine revival, something that would occur immediately in the middle of this brief moment of grace given to him by God, they would again, again 
be carried away as captives. I'm telling you, church, if we don't hear this call right now, our carry away to captivity will be unlike you've never understood. Because we are the last day church, and the Lord says, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. And I'm giving you examples that if we don't change, if the church doesn't take the stand for the gospel, and I understand that maybe God is putting it in our hearts. Maybe he's put it in your heart to literally be a vocal voice out there that's saying something. But I think, me personally, we can accomplish more by those what I just did. We can accomplish more by being grieved over what we see and lay on our faces in grief for the sins of the church. I have to determine who is the church, who is the Christians. And if I see evil and I see immorality amongst the kingdom of this world, then that's to be expected. How can I come in with my kingdom policies and procedures and moral uh, commands? See, here's the thing. They, they, were, they were disobeying God's commandments. So Ezra's coming back and saying, we're going to remind you of the God that we serve and that we have to follow these commandments. And it's for me and my house and that we have to do what we have to do. So I don't know what that looks like in this last days. Uh, but it starts with our moral righteousness we have to say wait a minute can i reach more by just having a conversation if you're a teacher in this place and you say that you're a christian are you more world are you more are in your job place are we more kingdom minded and christian mindset or are we more adapting to that world that we're in are we just fine and dandy christians when we come in here on sunday morning and put on our best and come up here and sing some praise songs and, and, and jump around? Or do we carry that out of here when we go in our everyday lives? You have to ask that question. Who are you in Christ? Who are you in this world? Are you peculiar? Are you different? Or have we intertwined and have we been interyoked with an unbelieving, godless society? What does your life look like? What does my life look like out there? This isn't about, I'm, I'm talking, is where I'm talking about is revival. I'm talking about revival. If you finish up nine, even with the warnings of the prophets, the people once again, uh, uh, once again abandoned God's commandments and began marrying and taking up practices of the people of the land. I'm going to tell you something. Like Pastor said, Thursday night, what he's witnessed in his lifetime, Phil, what you and Karen may have witnessed the condition of the church in your lifetime. The things that are on our television that would have never been on television when you were 16 years old or 20 years old. How much of that influence over the last few years? Now, if you're, if you're new to Christ now, praise God. But something broke in your parents' generation. Why didn't your parents introduce you to Jesus? Why didn't their parents introduce them to Jesus? What broke? You know what broke it? Sin. You, our forefathers and even ourselves sometimes, we started intermingling and marrying and yoking to unbelievers and adapting to a foreign land. We didn't shine. We didn't look different. Now, I know. Do we, what, how do we, you know, the, the message is, is the church went to sleep. No, the church didn't go to sleep. <laughs> I don't believe it. They went to sin. <laughs> That's what they did. Let's be, I mean, can we say that? You started doing things. You started breaking the commandments. You stopped listening, just like they did, the Jews did in the time of Ezra. They just, as 80, he was appalled. He's like, what happened? What happened? What happened to the words? Hear my heart. They acknowledge their guilt and they're defenseless before God. Conviction power manifested leading to repentance. Ezra's prayer of confession. So as you go into chapter 10, he goes into a, a praying in repentance, right? We see a demonstration of Ezra going back to set order in the house of God. And it started with him repenting on behalf of the 
chosen people. Have him repenting and turning it over and taking ultimately responsibility. That's a big boy decision. It wasn't Ezra, but he took responsibility. I have to take responsibility. I have to lay on my face in grief and say, oh God, oh God, oh God, how have we allowed your church, the church of Jesus Christ, that gave us the land of the United States of America, the land of the free, that were founded by our forefathers, that we held righteousness in our schools, we held up righteousness in our courts, we held up righteousness throughout all the land. Oh God, what have we done? We've left your altars, we've started choosing idols and worshiping Baal over in your presence, over worshiping the king. And because of that, they have become to influence us, your church. I have to be the church of Jesus Christ. We have to take responsibility first and say, God, heal our land. And I don't know what it looks like as we're moving forward. I'm not talking about personal battles. I didn't come to preach a message about personal battles. I came to preach a message about personal repentance. Quit walking a line that is not defined. God's watching. Plain and simple. We have a moral dilemma. We're faced with the same thing. And if we don't get this right, I'm not saying marching and protesting and doing that. That's, God uses people, and I'm saying spiritually. We have to believe that the end is coming. We have to believe that Jesus is real. We have to believe that God is, is, is pulling for his church. Did you hear that testimony interrupting about Lindell Cooley? Did you see his testimony? He's talking. And you know what he said? Well, testimony coming out of that man. You know what he said? God, as the church universal was praying for Lindell Cooley, he, he, he spoke last night. Robin and I watched it very weak. Did a live video from home, just very weak. Didn't even look like Lindell. But as you know, he's uh, pastor shared the other day, um, his aorta from here, from, from his main artery all the way down, separated. I mean, it, it, and the devil would have had his way, took him out, right? Uh, Lindell Cooley was the, have wrote many songs that we all sing uh, on a worship Sunday. Um, he was the worship leader that took uh, 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 Brownsville Revival, uh, Pensacola Church with Evangelist Steve Hill and Pastor Kilpatrick on Father's Day in 1996 or something like that. God's glory fell. Anyway, he said, he was so full of joy, he said, guys, he's real. But, uh, yeah, you've been singing about it for a long time. No, he's real. And he showed me his armies. He showed me his armies coming to my rescue. And man, and he got a physical, visual vision of the armies of God and the, his angels coming to Lindell's rescue. I can't wait to hear that in its full. He said that in a weak state. I can't wait for the book or the, the testimonial video, but keep your eye on that guy because he is going to give a, a full vision of what happened. He's real. God, Jesus is showing himself even to his church saying, remember my commandments. So here's the thing. We've got to make a decision today. Here's the steps taken towards. Let me back up. As Ezra prayed of confession, evidently, evidence carried tremendous, uh, he carried tremendous power of conviction. A very large crowd of men and women and even children joined Ezra laying face down, weeping bitterly over the sins of the land. A spokesperson for the group, Shachaniah, confessed their sins and on behalf all gathered agreed to enter in a covenant with God and turn from their sins. Following the people's confession of their sins, they made a public declaration, a solemn oath that they would turn from their sins 
the next morning a proclamation was made that all the people in the region must gather in Jerusalem within three days. And on the third day, as commanded the people throughout the region were assembled, they, were, they, they there, they confessed their sins and agreed to put away their foreign wives and their children or their idols. Ezra's revival was successful as it strengthened the people's resolve. Worship followed as well as a detailed interpretation of forgiveness. God, if you go on to read Ezra and you, and you continue, you see how God honored that prayer. And it became a celebration. The reading of the law initially brought great grief upon the people, leading them to mourn and weep. But it turned into a celebration. The Feast of the Tabernacles, as they were reading the law, they found that they were commanded to live in shelters during the festival to be held that month. The people obeyed the command, and it spread tremendously joy throughout the land. Here's the message that we get out of here. God is sitting here with a last time revival, a revival. And out of that revival, we're going to get excited in God. We're going to do the things that Jesus, unlike the Ten Commandments, unlike the law, we're saying, Lord Jesus, we're going to follow your commandments. Lord Jesus, our hope, our righteousness, we're going to confess you as Lord and we're going to change who we are to the core, every one of us. That's what's going to change. And, and when that happens and we start preaching of the goodness that God does in us. So when I come to, to, to realize that when I lay this all down and I dedicate my life to him tremendously, truthfully, it all changes and I become a witness in his power in my life, his dunamis power in my life, signs, miracles, and wonders. Because what we all don't know is we're all signs, miracles, and wonders. We're all a miracle and a wonder. I'm going to tell you something. There's some people that know me from way back, and they sit around and wonder. I don't know where that happened. That guy was destined for prison. There, there's the, the power. And if I, for one minute, compromise that, then I've lost all influence. I've lost everything that I have built up in Christ. And it's that serious. It's so serious that that's how you get women kings at homecoming. It's so serious that's how we've allowed gender confusion to to Rome in a little small town America because the church didn't go to sleep. The church just joined them. Just like this. And now they influenced and you didn't do the influencing. It's like sending the alcoholic into a bar to preach the gospel. Chances are it's not going to last very long and do that for 80 years. See what I'm saying? You, we have to, but because we had that inner compromise and we allowed that influence, and then not to mention literally yoking. How many over the last 50 years, people that have been grafted into the body of Christ became a Jew in the spirit underneath the laws and, of God, literally intermarried with and got yoked with unbelievers. And then pretty soon the husband said, I get that's the way you grew up, but, you know, we got to focus on our careers, you know, and we got to move this way. And, and little by little, Ambrose, and the next thing you know, that small child that grew up in the presence of Jesus, now because, or vice versa, now the beliefs of that person influences this person, and then now they raise up a, a generation there and a generation there and a generation. See how that happens? It's like cancer. We have to know who we are in Christ and we cannot fold. We can't weigh. We can't move. We can't 
change our mind under circumstances. I can't change my mind just because it looks good and smells good and tastes good. I've got to be able to mentally block that out, and that's where you get the strength of the Holy Ghost, the dunamis power of the Holy Ghost working in us to give me the power to say no to this, go this way, no, I can't do that. Yes, I have to do this because I'm continually in the Word. Amen? We have to take responsibility is my final thought. And that's the word I get out of this. And the example that God's showing us in Ezra is showing me that I have to take responsibility as a spiritual leader. I take the responsibility. Lord, I have already cried out and I've said, God, forgive us. Instead of ridiculing one another, pointing fingers at one another, slandering one another, judging one another, coveting one another, we should be covering one another and saying, God, rebuild your church. Rebuild my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my anger. And look what they did. They fixed it. What did it say? They put away those wives. Now that could be it. Put away, in our generation, we're saying, I'm putting away anything that would stop me from his will and obeying his commands and walking in his commandments. And if it's in your life, put it away. Paul tried to say the same story. If it offends you, cut it off. That's all, that, that's all he's saying in Ezra. When they heard the news and we felt that conviction, what is it? And if it convicts you, cut it off. What is in our lives right now that, that, that how are we conducting ourselves in the, in the workplace? How are we conducting ourselves in our public schools, in our city halls? In our, how are we conducting ourselves? Are we conducting ourselves like Christ? Are we loving? Are we sitting and, and declaring of his goodness and, and reminding the people of the land? But remember, when we're witnessing is different than when we're the church. We got to do better at holding one another accountable there. Just personal thoughts here. You say you're Christ? He lives in you? Quit throwing the word Christianity around. I want it to be revered. It should mean something. How is the whole world a Christian? And there's only 70 of us here. Quit using my name. But it hasn't been... To say I am a Christian, think about it. I am a Christian. I am a Christian. Is that what they did in Jerusalem? After the walls were built up to protect them? They let the walls of their own heart come down? Have you, once your walls have been built up to protect your heart? Guys, we're talking about a spiritual Jerusalem of your own heart. The walls have to go up. And when I say that, to keep the outside world and the land from influencing you. If you're new in Christ, you have to build those walls. Not walls one to another. Hear what I'm saying? Walls to a foreign land. They, were, they had a job. They had to go and build the walls. They built the walls to protect a spiritual move, God's holy temple. Here, he lives in the hearts of men. This is God's holy temple. I got to put walls up. And I got to tell every unclean spirit that tries to penetrate those walls, get out in Jesus' name. You're not allowed here. This is my kingdom. And it's ruled by a Lord, Jesus Christ, of my own heart. I, you are not welcome. Don't turn... We, we, the, church turn the church of the last days, we got to make this distinction of real and spiritual. Real and spiritual. Yes, we declare war on principalities and powers. Those principalities and powers come after the walls that should be built up around your heart. Your spiritual Jerusalem. And you fight against those princes of palities and those powers. Because 
The world don't have those walls. They do what they do. They know that they're supposed to do that. The word tells us, don't you see the signs? Watch, I'm telling you. Watch for the signs. I'll give it to you. Men will be like this. Children will be disobedient. Men, lovers of themselves, right? That's a sign. But if it's your normal life, Anthony, and that's just the way you are, and you've never met Jesus, and there's no walls around your Jerusalem, who am I to tell you how to act? You don't understand my kingdom. You don't understand my words. You don't understand my Ten Commandments. You don't understand. So I have to love. I have to influence. I have to say, and what does that look like? When is the church going to stop pointing their finger at unbelievers? And expecting them to live like you. Come on, man. I can't stand this. this is, yeah, there's sin in the land. There's sin in the world. God's, he, he said it's there. But let's get my church. And if my church will humble themselves and pray, I will hear from heaven and heal their land. That's it. Humble ourselves and pray. And he'll heal our land. And we then we will get more done that way than we will any other type of witnessing or any other kind of message that we have to present. We will get more done by prayer and repentance and saying, God, let's change it and witnessing and living our characters out like many of us do. I love this church because you do it every day. But some of you are just getting started. You might have one wall up. You may not even have the front gate assembled yet over your heart. Get those walls built up. Get that gate in front and be ready to close it because there's a world that's waiting to influence you and waiting to tear you down, waiting to your own emotions. Those princes and principalities, pretty soon when the walls go up, anger isn't an issue anymore. Strife isn't an issue anymore. Jealousy isn't an issue anymore. Uh, uh, Gossip isn't an issue anymore. All these things start to fall. Man, I see so much out of this story. And you think God just put it there for a, a, a book to read? No, he's warning us and he's saying, look, don't. I've given you many examples of what happens when you intermingle and when you take on f- wives from a foreign land. So. Make sure that wall is, is strong. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for caring. We're going to get it right, Jesus. We're going to get it right. I'm sorry, Father. I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry, Lord. Sanctify us again, Jesus. Holy Spirit, visit your church again and sanctify us. Sanctify us. Set us apart. Lord, I turn away. I repent from anything, any sin and any iniquity, any idols, anything that I've set up in my life, God. We turn away. Lord, hear the cry of your church in this last days. Holy Spirit, as you sweep our land, that you'll heal our land, God. Hear our prayer. Let us be the light. Let us be, Jesus, the witness that you called us to be. Give us strength, God, to cut off everything that besets us. Lord, give us spiritual ears and eyes to to hear the spirits that, that try to influence, Lord. Father, we praise you and we thank you. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for this time of grace, just like the grace that was given Ezra. Thank you, Lord. We want to be hosts of revival, but Lord, that doesn't happen in a church building. It happens in our heart. Oh, Father, the more we can 
share of your goodness. We praise you. I thank you for this, this word. I thank you, Lord, that you're shaking us, that you're mindful of us, that you're doing all that you can to reach mankind. Help us be a witness. Help us bring and hold each other that call ourselves Christ-like. The term Christian, the word Christian. What is a Christian? Let the signs follow your people. Let the signs follow those who believe. Lord, how can we You say your house that is divided can't stand. How can we, oh Jesus, we denounce any spirit that influences us in our thinking in Jesus' name. Any spirits that cause anyone to be angry. Any spirits that cause anyone to be sad. Any spirit that causes anyone to be frustrated. Any spirit that calls anyone, you denounce them right now in Jesus' name and put the walls up. Set your captives. Set us free, Lord. Set us free. Set us free. Let us be your church. Let us be your church. We praise you. We magnify you. Lord, I thank you, God. We will be your church. We will carry the, the lamp, Father. I thank you into this dark world. Give us wisdom, Lord. In Jesus' name, we praise you. Hallelujah. I know it's late. It's 1230. But just examine your hearts real quick. I just, I just, I want to close, but I can't get away from this. Will you partner with Jesus and lay on your face and, and cast out those things that, that maybe not Christ-like in your life, maybe attitudes. When I say Christ-like, guys, I don't mean sin, complete out blatant sin, although there may be some of that, and you know it. Quit making excuses for your sin. If you have an addiction, it is not Christ-like. That's not the spirit of Christ. Don't partner with that addiction. Don't partner with it. It will influence you and destroy your land. If your eyes of your gate, your gates of your soul or your eyes, and if you're taking in and you're looking at things that are a detestable and abomination to the Lord, you're letting walls down. And it's going to destroy your land. Denounce it. Use this example. Examine your life, every one of you, every one of us. I'm, I'm doing it. Little things. We have to be a witness to a dying world. And it's not screaming sin. Although it needs to be acknowledged. But what, what are we doing? What, how are we living our lives? Do we look like the same land? Are we so scared to draw a line? Are we scared to uh, say no when all your friends and co-workers want to uh, go down to the movie house? Do you draw a line? Because you know down at that movie house you're going to be in a moral dilemma on what your eyes will see? Is it a business deal that if you could just tell a white lie, you could go, uh, it could be much more profitable for you, but you decide to choose the witness of Christ? and take the road of righteousness? 
as we move into tax time? Are you honest? Examine every bit of your heart, everything. Do you, are you angry at things you can't control? And you hear the Holy Spirit saying, I can do it. Come to me. Pray and intercede. And I will fight the battle. Lord, help us. We need much wisdom. I thank you and I praise you. If you need to confess something, if you need to you just need to pray about something and you want to step out and say, God, I'm here and I want these things gone in my life. I want to be the absolute perfect witness to you, of you, to my wife, to my children, to my coworkers, to my elders, to my, the authorities that are in my life, my teachers, my boss, in hopes of winning and witnessing a soul. They made a declaration in the time of Ezra. I'm changing. I'm changing. We're changing. And they declared and they celebrated. You make a declaration that I'm changing. I'm going to get this. And I'm not going to compromise and I'm going to let the whole world know what it means to be Christ-like, a Christian. No more, no more time for secret Christians. Don't call yourself a Christian is where the church is on a rise is going to have to say to you. Yeah, so you see the militant, and I'll close with this, the militant spirit, the fight, the this, it's calling those out that are in error too devil you've had too much influence on the church and the body of Christ and people calling themselves Christians are not of the kingdom they're not those Christians so be ready for that it's going to be a tough fight thank you Lord for your word I praise you in Jesus name